Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. It'll be my first scripture. 1 Corinthians 15:10. I want to talk about the grace of God today. The grace of God. How many enjoy the grace of God? Amen. The grace of God is our key to our happiness. It's our key to our happiness. In order for us to be happy independent of our circumstances. And you know, there's a lot of crazy circumstances happening in the world today. We must learn how to be happy in who we are as defined by the grace of God. Our contentment will come when we learn that what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, he says these words. Well, it's, you know, if I, I wanted to really start a little earlier. Uh, let's start in verse 8, 1580. He says, Then... The last of all he has seen by me also by as one born out of due time, verse 9, 15, 9. He says, Paul says, I am the least. The guy who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, he says, I am the least of the apostles who am not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, verse 10, but, say but's a real big word. But by the grace of God... I am what I am. I am what I am. I am His. Amen? And His grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And yet yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. See, our beauty, talents, successes, reputation, relationships, they all fade over time. And ultimately, they go completely. But God's grace never stops. His grace never changes. Most people today get their happiness from what they do rather than who they are by the grace of God. And many believers only feel good about themselves and their relationships with God when they perceive that they are doing great things for Him. Do you see that most of us get our happiness from what we do or what others do rather than who we are by the grace of God? That's what we have to remember today. Our happiness comes from the grace of God, from the goodness of God. That song we sang this morning, the goodness of God. Amen? And then if we take away all these definitions of like performance and human relationships and just stick to the one focus of what our identity should be in Christ then you can find out who you are. Or if you stay in performance and human kind of things, you will say like most people say, I don't have a clue who I am. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3. 
if you're in 1 Corinthians and you didn't move, you won't have far to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, start in verse 4. And it says, We have such trust through Christ towards God. Verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, is from God. See, it's God who makes us sufficient. It's God who gives us, you know, happiness. It's not, it doesn't come from us. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, verse 6, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit of life, but the Spirit gives life, excuse me. So we're not sufficient of our th- ourselves to think anything of ourselves, and, but that's kind of hard sometimes, especially in this world. But Apostle Paul said that it was only after he came to recognize that he was nothing apart from God's grace. No matter what he did, he had to come to a place where he learned, like we all have to learn, to forgive ourselves for making, you know, saying things wrong, doing things wrong. But he says that he said that he was ready to find out. Paul was ready to find out what the grace of God could make him. I mean, do you know how many Christians today are saying, who am I? I am nothing. But we all know here a lot different. Amen? So if we're seeking happiness in our circumstances or in anything other than God's grace, we are destined eventually to lose any personal satisfaction we might have found. And if we learn to, re- to revel in the truth of God's eternal grace, then no matter the shifting state of circumstances, we can ex- still experience real joy. Apostle Paul said he found how to unlock the mystery of contentment. And I will show you that it's possible as being a Christian to be happy in every circumstance of life. And I'm talking about genuine contentment and genuine joy that comes from within and that that is independent of what's happening around you. Whatever's happening on the TV, what's ever happening in the world, you know, they're saying food shortages, they're saying this, they're saying that. There's all kind of craziness going on around us. Amen? And But the Apostle Paul thanked God for what he had done in the lives of the people through the, the people of Thessalonica through the belief of the truth. This is a great scripture. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. So if we're in second, we must be a first, right? Let's go to second. It's right before Timothy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'd like to read verses 13 through 17. It says, Stand fast. He says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you. I like that. You were chosen from the beginning for salvation. Through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And that's an important phrase, belief in the truth. Important phrase. Belief in the truth. Amen? To which he called you by our gospel. How many know what the gospel is? Good news. The good news of God's love for us. Amen? For the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Stand fast and hold 
the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God, the God and Father, who has what? Loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Good hope by grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen? See, ordinary people in Thessalonica had been given an extraordinary gift. They have been taught by the Spirit of God to appreciate what God had done for them. And as a result, their hearts were filled with everlasting comfort and good hope through grace. It just, it just happens. It's a part of the package deal. It's a part of the benefits of knowing Jesus and having grace in our hearts. I don't know about you, but I want to live in grace. I don't want to live under condemnation. I don't want to live under other things. And we're going to talk about some things that can, you know, stop us from being content. But please ask the Lord Jesus to graciously help you see the truth of his word. God is our blessed hope for all of our circumstances. Constantly request that he reveal to you through his word the greater power of his sovereign grace for you to see true happiness is solely dependent upon his grace. Amen? But mark my words, when things turn south or things go bad, happiness goes down the drain because for most people, happiness is dependent on happenstances or circumstances. Amen? That's the way it is in this world. But we can live above that. I like what my wife, she always says this phrase to me, live above the line. You know, living above the line, living in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Happiness during difficult circumstances is the exception, not the norm. See, believers in Jesus Christ, like everyone else, can struggle with happiness coming and going in relationship to circumstances. But Christians often do not have a feeling of inward happiness or joy because their circumstances are miserable. And I, don't, I mean, we all fight things. We all go through things. You know, there's days where, you know, everything's going smooth and then boom, everything's different. But however, the believer has the ability to learn how to be content. We have that ability in Christ. We have the ability to be joyful and happy independent of what circumstances are happening around us. And again, this learning is due to, grow, to a growing comprehension of God's grace and God's love. And when things go bad for us, and they might, and our happiness vanishes, it is because it is, because it is dependent upon our circumstances, people, or events. The problem is that we are codependent upon others, even circumstances, for our happiness rather than the grace of God and just trusting him and believing in him. Amen? But we have not, for the most part, learned to be content regardless of our circumstances. Why, why do you think I'm talking about this today? Because our world is really messed up. And it has a tendency to try to sneak in on us. It tries to squeeze us into its thinking by the things we input it with, the different things we listen to, the different things we hear. And as many of God's sons and daughters, we can be very affected by it. Someone asked me this past week, when, when is normal coming back, Pastor Mike? When is normal coming back? My reply is, it's never coming back. But Jesus is coming back, and that's better news than 
if normal's coming back. I'm not waiting for normal. In Christ, I'm waiting for Jesus. How many know that's better news? Amen? But I'd like to talk about five marks of discontentment that are signs pointing to a soul <coughs> depending on circumstances for happiness. And for every one of these that I'm going to mention, there's five. But for every one of these that I would mention, there's volumes of books that have been written about them. But for this teaching and further teachings on this topic, I'll only be giving you some snippets of my thoughts. Because I'm not going to be on this for the next five, day, uh, five weeks or whatever. But just some brief thoughts, and then we're going to move on to Paul. So Paul's secret to this mystery that can help us all. Amen? One, one of the ways that will cause us to, you know, not be too content, and this is a big one, is envy. Say envy, E-N-V-Y, four little words. See, the, the author of one of the many books on this topic writes about envy this way. Where the sin of envy is predominant, a man can have no true contentment of mind. Proverbs 14.30, B. It says in the B, there's an A and a B part of that verse, Proverbs 14.30. Got that, John? There it is. A sound heart is life to the body, it says, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Another author writes this about envy. He says, envy is a fire in the heart which left unchecked can burst into a hungry flame and consume all that is consumable. It will lead to loneliness, sickness, and violence. Job chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Wrath kills the foolish man and envy slays the simple one. But the bottom line to it all, whenever envy shows up, it's a sure sign of a lack of understanding of who I am in Christ. Again, my sufficiency is not of me. My sufficiency is from God. Amen? See, human nature apart from Christ will always be envious. I mean, they don't put those commercials on TV one after another about new cars and new shoes and new this and new that. I mean, the TV is loaded like some commercials I mean, even at a 30-minute sitcom, you can have like 10 commercials about products. And sometimes we get envious because we want that new product, even though we don't have the finances for it. But, but when we understand God's grace and who we are in Him, we as believers understand that in Christ we reign with our Lord Jesus. Amen? It says in Revelation 5.10, we are His priests and kings. Romans 8.17, we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. That was one, one mark, envy. The second one I want to talk about is covetousness. Covetousness is an unwarranted, ungodly, and immoderate desire to have more than we can afford. To have more than we can afford. A good scripture I'd like to read with you is Hebrews 13.5 on this scripture, on this thought. Hebrews 13.5. This is a great chapter, Hebrews 13. It's, if you ever want to memorize, uh, uh, start memorizing the Bible, you want to start out with Hebrews 13.1. It says, let brotherly love continue. <laughs> I mean, that's an easy verse to memorize. You know, four words. 
or you can get one even smaller, I guess, in the book, in the Gospel of John, Jesus wept. <laughs> but this, this chapter is really good. But let's go down to verse 5. It says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. What is a sure sign that we are covetous? I say it in three words. Credit card debt. Meaning you charge, you're charging more than you have money to pay. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I just saw it this morning on Channel 3 News. You can't get in Cedar Point this year unless you have a credit card. If you bring cash, it won't work. Credit card or debit card only. Cedar Point this year. Huh? Credit card debt is a sign that we do not understand who we are by the grace of God. We think we need, but we actually just want, not need better, whatever clothes, shoes, cars, etc. And there's nothing wrong with having possessions or owning things or having things. It's just being able to afford them. You know, if you're going to go out and use a credit card, make sure you have money in the bank or money saved or in your drawer that you can, when the bill comes in 30 days, you can pay it. Amen? I mean, that's being wise. But wanting to get what you can and can what you can get and then sit on the can is wrong. <laughs> One of the best ways to tell if we are covetous is if we're willing to freely give all that we have for the good of others. Be sensitive to the needs of others and be generous. It's talk, that's what Apostle Paul writes about in Corinthians. The greatest people to be around are givers who give freely because it's what they enjoy doing. The third mark of personal unhappiness is prideful ambition. Any type of prideful ambition is a sin. It's destructive, and when we promote ourselves, submitting to no one, being a servant to no one, but rather wanting everyone to be our servant, you got a problem. Amen? And this is played out in the home when we have to win every argument. Nobody has that problem at home, right? When we have to be the ruler of the roost. It all has to go our way, and we cannot let someone say to us, you're wrong. See, prideful ambition is the kind of thinking that says, I don't care what Jesus Christ says about this in the area of my life. I feel what I want to feel inside of me, and that's more important than what the Bible says. There are people that today that believe that. I just had somebody say that to me a couple of weeks ago. I don't care what the Bible says. I says, okay. I guess we won't be talking much. I had a somebody not maybe a year or two, two, two years ago, maybe a year ago, say wanting counseling on a certain topic in their lives, and they said, you can counsel me, but don't open your Bible or use your Bible. I said, well, guess what? I'm not into psychobabble, so I don't use anything else but the Bible. So guess what? We never had an appointment. never happened. See, God will never give anyone peace for a direct violation of his word. You can't get peace if you're directly opposing God's word. And I tell them, if God does not lead them to a change of mind, even though our church will continue to love them, 
and not condemn them, they, they, then we will no longer treat them as those who have experienced God's grace. See, independence from God and His Word always brings misery in life. It'll bring misery. Sometimes you have to let people go experience it before they come to their senses, almost like the prodigal son. Amen? He had experienced the misery of loss before he came to his senses. See, when we will not listen to what Christ says in God's Word, we say no to him and insist on doing it our own, or doing our own thing, then prideful ambition is present. And no matter how we try to hide it, we are discontented and very, very unhappy. The fourth sign of a lack of soul satisfaction is, and I'm sure that nobody in this room has this problem, complaining. Uh-oh. Who stepped on that? Uh-oh. Let's go to Philippians. There it is. Chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Just one little verse. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. One little verse, seven words. It says, do all things without complaining. How many have work to do? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Let's, let's go to stay in Philippians chapter 2 and let's read in verse 12. Let's start in verse 12. Therefore, it says, my beloved, as you have always... Boy, he's talking now, Ezekiel. He's going. He's growing up to be a big boy. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Boy, that's a big scripture. So you've got to understand, what God started in you, he's going to complete in you. The work he started in you, he'll complete it in you. This is for little kids, too. There's no junior Holy Spirit. They got the same Holy Spirit we got. And that the Holy Spirit's working on them like he's working on us all the time. Amen? For God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become, verse 15, blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You shine as lights. Hold fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain and labored in vain. Amen? If a person is constantly complaining about circumstance, then I want you to know discontentment is boiling under the surface. If you've grown up where people complain about what you do or complain because you do not do this or that, then your understanding concept of love will be the same. So if complaining becomes a part of your life all the time, your love will become like that as well. You will complain about others. And when you complain, it signifies a lack of understanding of who you and others are in Christ. I, I can't complain about anybody. Amen? But complaining time after time about other people, our circumstances, our troubles, or our afflictions is the opposite of contentment. 
Complaining indicates that we are dependent upon the things, different things in order to be happy. Why not, like Apostle Paul, come to the place where we can say we are happy regardless of whether or not circumstances or things around us ever change us? Amen? The fifth and final sign of our unhappiness is A-N-G-E-R, anger. Anger, and this is a big one. The extent of our anger is a key indicator of whether or not there's contentment in our lives. A lot of anger equals very little contentment. Not all anger is sin. Amen? Even Jesus showed righteous anger. But sinful anger is shown by displaying resentful and resentment and bitterness. And those who let the sun go down on their anger and become bitter with others are full of discontentment. And God doesn't want us that way. God wants us content. He wants us happy and joyful. And we can have that through the grace of God. Amen? Anger is not always outward and explosive. Anger can turn within. And when it turns within, it can destroy us over time. We can be so tied up within that we can't sleep. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but America has an epidemic of people who can't sleep at night. They call it sleep apnea. And a lot of it is just anger turned inward. They won't deal with things in their life. And so they get all locked up and tied up inside. A lot of our emotions, a lot of things we go through in our lives affect our physical being. It manifests in us. There's people who get spasms in their back from being angry within because they won't release it. They won't deal with it. There's people who get ulcers in their... I'm not saying that everything, every spasm is due to anger. I'm not saying that every spasm or everything that can't sleep... I'm not saying that every ulcer in your stomach is because of anger, but there can be symptoms from that. All I would do is get rid of anything I can at this point. Amen? See, we brood and suffer depression because, and become quiet and withdrawn when we have anger within. A good quote about anger was said like this, The worst of slaves are those who anger rules. Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.31, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I don't know, are you unhappy? I'm not, but there's days that... You know, we all get blasted. Amen? But I just say, Lord, I need some grace today. I need some help. See, if you recognize that any of these five marks of discontentment within yourself, then unhappiness is happening. But that's not the end. There's hope. Say, there's hope in God. See, the first step to the process of learning to be happy until we realize that no person and no problem is the cause of our unhappiness. And until we realize that a, def a deficient understanding of the grace of God in our lives is the reason that we lack self-sufficiency. It's the reason we lack joy and contentment. And we will, make, we will never make progress in overcoming our misery unless we turn to Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Amen? And some of you might be thinking, I don't know a lot about God's grace yet, but I'm very happy. Maybe you're happy now, but just wait. <laughs> there will come a day when circumstances will change. 
But knowing who you are in Christ is so very important. Here are some things we need to know to keep happiness in our lives no matter what circumstances around us want us to believe. I am graced. I am loved. I'm justified. I am chosen by God. I am blessed. I am free. I am protected. We talked about that this morning. I am adopted. I am guided. I am holy. I am accepted. I am rewarded. I am God's treasured, treasured possession. I am God's masterpiece. I am saved. I am beloved, and this list can go on and on. In order for us to be happy, independent of our circumstances, we must learn how to be happy in who we are as defined by the grace of God. Amen? Let's go back to that verse, 1 Corinthians 15. We started with that verse. 1 Corinthians 15. Our contentment will come, Paul says, when we learn who we are by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Why was it with Him? Because He gave His life to Jesus. Amen? So our beauty, talents, successes, reputations, and relationships will fade over time. And ultimately go away completely. But God's grace never changes. Amen? That would be a good one to write on the inside of your eyelids. God's grace never changes.
each of you. Do you feel it? from Paul, Apostle Paul, Philippians 4.11. He says, says, not that I speak in regard to need, but I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then verse 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless. Have a great week.
blessed week, everyone. I love you.